What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to a Monday Memorial Day for the Motor City Metrics podcast. Before we get the podcast started, we did get another donation from Bloodright. Thank you so much to sponsor of the podcast, Bloodright. I don't have the soundboard. so Exquisite. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> awesome. But yes, back on a Monday night. And yes, we want to talk about the White Sox series and then talk about the Rangers series and kind of look forward to what we can see from the Tigers. So yeah, guys, what are you guys thinking about that White Sox series? What was your takeaways? They got three out of four. You can't ask for a whole lot more than that in this game. They actually got to Dylan Cease for a change, which is the first time they ever scored more than three runs against him in his 14 starts against the Tigers. He came into that game with a 1.0 ERA over his last eight starts against Detroit. So that was fun to see. Overall, yeah, it was just a great weekend of baseball. The Tigers got people excited about possibly moving into first place. They won some thrilling comeback games. As far as baseball weekends go, that was one of the better ones around these parts in a couple of years anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think the the manner in which they won the games was hardening, right? They A couple times, the bullpen has been so reliable all year long, and then they had a couple hiccups. Some of it was just yeah, bad timing, but uh, both times it didn't really feel like they were out of it. And sure enough, they weren't. And, and there's something in particular about when when it's the young players who are the ones contributing, the guys that, were, that everybody had kind of had their hopes hanging on anyway, when they do it, you go, okay, this feels even better. There's, there's promise, right? Because Riley Green's going to be around here for a while. And Corkelson yes. and Badu and, and those guys, when they're producing, it feels better than when it's Andy Abanez, which might not be fair to Andy Abanez, but whatever. He's 30 and, and, and probably playing his way off the team, to be truthful. But yeah, and, and you, know, you got the added bonus of taking down a division rival. Three out of four. So it was pretty darn good weekend for, for baseball in the Motor City. Yeah, I saw a stat. What really stuck out to me was the walks the Tigers are drawing. I think they drew like 30 walks against the White Sox or something ridiculous like that. And they were showing graphics on the sh- on the, the game today. And it's like they've drawn like 20-something more walks than the next closest team. Like, it's incredible. And, and this is a fairly similar roster than last year in. Just is it the coaching staff? Can we give credit to that? Like, how are they made such a a big adjustment? Yeah, I, I think you you have to you have to give a small amount of credit to the other teams pitching. Uh, and Dylan Cease is not the Dylan Cease he was last year, but the Tigers are taking just top to bottom of the lineup. They're taking a lot more pitches. They're confidently taking a lot more close pitches, and and you have to think that there's something coming down from on high. Scott Harris is. Thing that everybody talks about was controlling or dominating the strike zone, having that filter down through. They have three new hitting coaches this year, and, and you just see it across the board. Even Javi Baez, I think we talked about yeah last night, has the second or third lowest strikeout rate on the team. He's not walking anymore. He's not yeah. striking out as much as he used to. He's also not hitting for any power, which is an issue. But you go up there, and and basically, when McKinstry, Green, Orgelson, and Badu at the very least, and you could throw Maton in there too, right? Those guys are are off at the plate. They're going to give you a really good plate appearance. They might not, you know, it's, what eventually happens varies based on who was there. But that's got to be really tough for opposing pitchers. They're they're making them work for every strike, and that's been fun. This this is not the sort of Tigers offense we've seen in years past. 
Yes. And oh, one second, just thank you to Josh Newman in the chat with the $2 donation. You want to you get that one, Chris? Yeah, Josh Newman. Oh, touch them all time. <laughs> okay. All right. What were you going to say, Bruce? Oh, I was saying, you know, it, it has been very interesting to watch the evolution of this because it didn't seem this way early in the season. This is something that's really come about in, in the month of May. So now, obviously, will it continue going forward? Is this an aberration? Is this just a, a three-week stretch? Or is this something we see and does it become even more team-wide? Jonathan Scope start taking walks and we'll know. But it'd be also interesting to know, is this filtering down through the whole organization too? But that's going to be something everybody gets to watch, especially on, on the minor league side of the, of the podcast. Is that something that's going to filter on through down to A-ball even? Yeah. Yeah. And a couple of guys in particular we wanted to cover. We've already touched on them a little bit. Do the Tigers have more than one all-star in their lineup right now? That, that's a question that kind of I thought of, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. In the lineup or on the team? In the lineup. Because on the team, I think we could agree they have multiple All-Stars. But uh, offensively, there's two guys I'm looking at in particular that have been really good for them. I think if, if Riley, Riley Green has the name recognition from his draft status and so on, prospect status, if, if he continues to hit well over 300 each month, knock in some runs, make some great plays like in the outfield like he did yesterday, sure. He could, he could possibly latch a spot. And then I think the other one would be Lang if he continues to be dominating. The Tigers know how to put a closer in the All-Star game. <laughs> he got a lot of experience with that. Other than that, but if you want to talk about McKinstry and a few others, possibly, but I just, I would be a little surprised if it stretched much past Green and Lang. Yeah, All-Star stuff is, is always vague. It, the Tigers fans might get crazy and start voting everybody in like the Royals did years back. But in terms of who deserves it, I mean, it's tough when you're an outfielder like Riley Green because you got you got to deal with Aaron Dutch and Mike Trout and whoever else Otani. out there. Otani, although he might, you would think he, I don't know, if he goes in as an outfielder or as a pitcher or whatever, two-way player. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm checking right now. I think purely on merit, Riley Green probably does deserve it or he's close enough, probably one of the top five or six Outfielders in the American League more. I'm trying to check now. But uh, yeah, I, I'm operating right now uh, really under the assumption that the Tigers are going to end up with Alex Lang and maybe Eduardo Rodriguez, and that's it. As much as we'd like to see Green and, and McKinstry even make the team, if they had a utility spot, McKinstry would be a great fit for it, I think. Yeah, I think the, the moral of that story is that even though they might not make the team, they've been playing like all-stars, and that's what matters yeah. in McKinstry and Green. But yeah, and even Torkelson, I think he's putting together solid at-bats as well. Zach Schroeder, what do you guys make of the infield right now? I think it's really interesting to see Ibanez, how up and down he's been. Zach Short has got some big hits, but even Scope's come on a little bit. Do you think we start to see more of Jonathan Scope as the summer comes along? And then what do you think they're going to do with Ibanez? And you think Short continues to get playing time as well? If Short keeps flashing some power, he's going to play. He's got to. If Andy Ibanez is going to go two for 35 and Short is, is chipping in with the timely home run or pinch hit or whatever, he's going to play some. And he's, he's burning it right now. I, I think that everybody wants certain guys DFA. We hear that daily. There's a drumbeat on Twitter for it. 
at some point, Abanez, if he's two for 52, then yeah, they're probably going to have to do something. You probably can't let him out on a limb that long. But the rest of the infield, Baez is going to be Baez. He's going to be up and down. Uh, I'm sure he'll have another two-week hot stretch here where he looks like the second coming. And then he'll revert to where he's always been. And then uh, I'm enjoying watching Torkelson take the walks. He didn't hit the ball today. You know, you can see the at-bats getting better and his confidence of taking pitches getting higher and higher. Yeah, and, and Tork, yeah, Tork's doing fine. He's taking, like you've said, he's taking a lot of walks, really good at bats. He's hitting the ball hard, but still not the over-the-fence power that the team really needs. But True. the alternative is what he was last year and what he was the first month of the season, and this is much better. So that's good. Yeah, I think Banyas will probably head down to Toledo after Galperdur is, is ready to come back. But how they configure everything, I don't know. But I would think the way that, Zach Short's playing right now. He would stay ahead of Ibanez. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I think in the ideal world, they'd like to have Aton or uh, playing up to his potential, but that hasn't happened this year, and his playing time has been diminished. And the infield is a big question, and uh, that's where people start poking around at the minor leagues and going, hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? <laughs> just got to slow our roll a little bit, I think. Yeah. Mr. Raj, we were talking about the White Sox series. Any thoughts you had on that series before we move out? Yeah, first foremost, I'm sorry that I was late. I've had a migraine seasonal allergy thing that has just literally kept me on the couch all day. And so Oof. it took me a while before I actually got off the couch. And uh, yeah, my Memorial Day was not that memorable. And I was supposed to even, I still have to do a lot of stuff for uh, the minor league podcast from yesterday and all that stuff. But I'll, I'll get it done tomorrow. But yeah, just finally got going and I had to wake up and I didn't want to get on the camera with my eyes all swollen and just do Anyway. One of my thoughts about the White Sox series, I think they took advantage of a bad team. They took advantage of the Sox, a bad bullpen. And they really were able to flex that quite a bit. And in addition to that, we saw what Zach McGinstry is, which has been a pretty effective hitter. And they they did what they were supposed to do. They, they, beat, the, they beat Chicago. But the only thing I was worried about was Will Vest's performance a little bit. Again, I'm trying to be not to be nitpicky, but there's certain things you have to be concerned with. Akil Badu continuing to show that he belongs in the lineup. That's one, one my biggest takeaway from the series. And coming into today's game against Texas, Texas, there was a reason why they're on my the good, bad, and the ugly because they are a team to be. They beat Baltimore, and that's no easy task either. And today they show why they they just they have, there's not a weak spot in that lineup. And so I think that the White Sox series coming up after this in Chicago might be the easiest series that Detroit has all of June. Wow. Yeah. But the interesting thing is Chicago came into the Tigers series on a little bit of a roll. They've been playing better. The Tigers really squashed that, which was, was nice to see. I mean, the, the White Sox bullpen had done, I don't know, 29 innings along three runs and Detroit got to them, especially Joe Kelly, which. Yeah, really surprised me. I, I had no confidence they were going to get to Joe Kelly, and they they slapped him around pretty well. By the way, somebody I, asked the old, the Giants hat. I got to give a shout out to Matt on our Discord channel who went to Japan and he went by himself. He didn't go for work or anything. And yeah. I asked him if he could get me a Giants hat, and he said he could, no problem. And he got Chris a shirt. So yeah. this is my first non minor league, actually my second international hat i have a havana leonis hat which is the original cuban league from 1956 i want to say so nice anyway sorry continue on 
Uh, I was just going to say, you watch Joe Kelly pitch and you wonder how anybody ever hits him. He's like up to 101, 102. (laughs) He's got a 93 mile an hour slider and like a 90 mile an hour knuckle curve. You're like, how does this guy ever go up outs? And I look at his ERA is four. It's what, what's going on? Because his expected ERA is like under two. So that was, yeah, that was nice to see the Tigers get get to him because he's always been kind of a little bit of a, he's got a lot of gifts online for making faces. So that's always good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think in game four, it was really Riley Green that got to him um, with that triple and then Baez yeah. with the little tapper. But yeah, game four to me was like the Riley Green game, obviously taking back the home run, taking a run away from them. And then in the ninth inning, I'm not going to say he single-handedly won them the game, but he was obviously probably the main f- driving force behind that. And so and you know what else? What oh, else? Go ahead. homer against him, that was a laser. He He had a good pitch. That was a hell of a swing that Kinstry put on that homer versus Kelly. Yeah. You know, Riley Green, by the way, somebody was asking, he gets national position to make his first all-star game this year. I'm doing an article about that now because, interesting enough, the amount of Tigers, the last Tiger outfielder that was a homegrown prospect, if you will, that made the all-star team was back in 2009 with Curtis Granderson. And before that, you can find this hard to believe, but Robert Fick in 2002. So Robert Fick, it's a it's a strange company to be involved in as far as, and then it goes back a little further. So you're thinking about maybe Kirk Gibson, Steve Kemp. Before, so Steve Kemp in 1979, before Robert Fick in 2002, was the last Tiger outfielder to make the All-Star. So I think Riley Green has, a, has made his case, but I just thought it was, I was looking that up early for an article I'm doing, I was just blown away. That in terms of homegrown talent, if you will, Demetri Young was a non was another outfielder that made it in 2003. But of course, does Fick count as homegrown because he came from the Astros? I thought Fick was drafted here. I don't think so. I think they got him from the Astros in a trade. I'm pretty sure. I thought Robert Fick was homegrown. I'm double. Let me double check that. But I'm pretty sure Robert Fick was a draft pick because they were talking about him. Excuse me. During the I, I could be wrong but I, I thought he came in a trade. No, yep, he was drafted by the Tigers twice, in the 43rd round in the 1995 draft out of high school, and then again in the fifth round in the 96 draft. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of Mick Molusky. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. No, no, yeah, Robert All Fick right. was, when they did that whole thing on UPN 50, when Tigers last came in Comerica Park, or excuse me, Tiger Stadium, they're talking about the future. Robert Fick was among one of those players they took the home field, the home plate over to Comerica Park as a... And didn't, what's up? didn't we discover that Fick's brother was the catcher in the naked gun? Yes, we did. Yes, yes we did. Which is outstanding. Wow. Which is, for some reason, the movie that plays on MLB Network the most, which is fine with me. I love the naked gun, but it's so weird to have this baseball channel and you, you turn it on Sunday night and it's like, hey, you guys could play a replay of a baseball game, but you're, okay, naked gun. Again, we'll do it. <laughs> But just to, to finish off the Riley Green thing, we, we mentioned earlier, I, I checked. He is now currently tied for fifth in the American League in war at 1.8 behind Aaron Judge, Randy Rosarena, Jordan Alvarez, and Mike Trout. And he's tied with Luis Robert and Cedric Mullins. So and he's up near the top on merit. You could argue he group plays, of names there. If he keeps playing the way he has been, he probably will pass a couple more of those guys. So. Yeah, I, I, it's just a question of will anybody pay attention to the national level? And I, I don't know. It's hard to. I don't know if anybody pays attention to anybody on the national level anymore. 
Yeah. We did have a comment from Noah Conley, a loyal listener. He said he had leg surgery on last Thursday for a fractured fibula. We wish him best of luck in his recovery yeah. process. Speed of How did that happen? I'm always curious about how these injuries happen. Oh, he'll probably, he'll probably tell us, or he might make up a story or something. Yeah, I something my, really good. I had a buddy of mine who actually broke his leg bowling. I was telling Chris <laughs> that week. I'm dead serious. He was, he said he slipped and it caused him to break his leg. I, I don't know to this day how he was doing it, but when, when I was selling bowling, I was like, make sure you don't break your leg. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I totally forgot that he broke his leg. Doing that. Basketball. Basketball. Yeah. That makes sense. What's the, you guys have any uh, stories of breaking a bone in a dumb way? Because I do. Well, I do too as well, but go oh, ahead. Let's, let's, let's hear it. Let's let's hear it. I, was, I was on the monkey bars. This is I was in the first grade. On the monkey bars. No, listen, listen. Okay. My mom was always emphasizing that after your dinner, wash your hands and dry your hands. And I, I was so eager to go back outside. I washed my hands. My hands were still wet. Jumped on the monkey bars. Slipped. My hand landed right on the rock. And I broke my wrist. Mm. And the whole entire time I went to Spain, family, I was in a cast the whole time. So that was a pretty stupid. Had I dried my hands, I wouldn't have broken broke my wrist. All right. Let's hear it. People in the chat, let's hear your stories. And then, Chris, what, can you top that one? You guys, you guys don't have good ones? I, I have a couple. Not really. We used to, when I was in high school, there was a local arcade we would go to for fun every year on the weekend. It's kind of the spot where people would hang out. And they had one of those boxing machines. We punch it as hard as you can to see how hard you can punch. And I was like, I don't need this glove. I'm going to punch it with my bare hands. I'll punch harder that way. <laughs> immediately broke my hand. I punched it. I was like, oh, that's no good. And I went to the doctor and I'm like, yeah, this is called a boxer's fracture. Because people who throw punches break their hand exactly like this. Yeah. Maybe use the boxing glove again. Yeah. Mine aren't that exciting. I was on the top of the monkey bars, like, and I got pushed off and I broke my leg. <laughs> Got pushed just, off. That yeah. sounds exciting yeah. to me. You got an assassin in your school. I was in my backyard, actually. No, at home, an assassin. Yeah, and then uh, I played football. I tackled my friend. He landed on my arm, and I fractured. Ah, that's unfair. Yeah, but I haven't broken any since like that was fourth grade. So I've been I've been good since then. But yeah, if we want to talk about the the race in the central, that's what I wanted to go towards. What are your guys' kind of thoughts on that? How do we match up with Minnesota and? Is that a real race right now in the division? Right. Obviously, the records are what the records are. So, yes, at the current time, it is. The Twins did win today. They come back fashion. They got Royce Lewis back today. Hit a three-run homer, knocked in a fourth run as well. So they got a nice little boost from a really talented guy. But I think we might as well enjoy it while they're there. That I think they, the Tigers aren't a whole lot worse than the Twins. They can make a run at them. The Twins have probably the better starting pitching, and that could be the difference. But earlier this week, I tweeted about the 2018 Tigers. I don't know if you guys saw that. You know That team, a lot like this team. Early in the year, they were trying to get to 500. They were oh so close. They just couldn't quite do it. They were two and a half games out of, five, out of first place on June 17th. They were 36 and 37. And a lot of guys that I know very well who are really devoted, smart fans were saying, I love this team. I love this, how they're playing. They're playing with guts and pride and heart and the whole deal. And of course, they finished 64 and 90. Where's this team going to go? I don't know, but I think we should enjoy it while they're there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with in the same boat as Uper. I, I, love, I love to, as far as the rest of 
June is a brutal month. Talked about this yesterday on the minor league podcast. The schedule is not favorable for the Tigers, and they have to really, if they can navigate that somewhat close to 500, then I would get a little more excited. But the twin, the one thing about the Twins that I really you have to, you gotta have a couple guys that are just extraordinary talented and just guys that are very they can make a big difference. And if they if, if they rest them, and that is one of them being Brian Buxton. If Buxton stays healthy, he's always been a this is a guy who's a, a pain in the ass. He just he's always going to be that way. Sonny Gray is featuring is back at having sort of a renaissance or renaissance renaissance. Wow. Renaissance. Wow. There you go. I, I don't know why I could not say that word. I guess it, maybe it's just a migraine thing, but the Joe, Joe Ryan, they have a lot of guys that can really go out there and pitch. And not to mention, too, one of the things about Minnesota that if they can get some consistency, then in terms of back end of the bullpen, too, they have one of the best guys in the game. And the and Duran. Dan Duran, yeah. And Duran is just 102 without even trying. And mm-hmm. so I think. If Minnesota can strengthen their bullpen, I don't think Minnesota's. I think Minnesota's bullpen is about even, with the exception of Duran. But I just think it's, it really depends on how the Tigers navigate June because June's such a brutal month again, yeah. and it's going to really test their pitching. I got the numbers on that. After today, starting tomorrow, nineteen of their next twenty-eight games are against teams that are currently above five hundred. Sixteen of those nineteen games are against teams that are currently in first place in their divisions. So, yeah, the upcoming schedule could get dicey. But if they can nap, if they can play, I don't know, of these next 20, let's say they go 13 and 15, that sounds like actually a pretty good stretch of baseball. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of Minnesota, I think they have the much better pitching. They're, they're second in baseball right now in Team ERA at 3.44. I just think their offense is a bit good going. Carlos Correa needs to be the player they paid him to be. And I still think with the Tigers, I had them as 75 wins. I still think they'll get there. But yeah, I I think they're going to tail off a little bit. I do still expect them to be sellers. I think they should be sellers just for the overall long-term health of this this franchise. I think they have some assets that they can move and get some, really revamp this farm system and get some reinforcements coming in the future. Yeah, I think this is Minnesota's division to lose, and I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland goes on a bit of a run as well, and maybe them and the Tigers could fight for third place in this division. But yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a, a true race for the Central right now. And I, I just view, I don't know. I think the White Sox still have more talent than the Tigers, and I think the Twins have more talent than the Tigers. The, the White Sox are just a jumbled mess that doesn't fit together. The Tigers are playing really well together right now, but I think the Twins, you mentioned it, they, they've got, they've got, they're too young. They're basically their equivalent of Torkelson and Green. They got them back this year in Kirilov and Lewis, and they've both been productive. So that lengthens the lineup. And one of the interesting things, if you look at the stats right now, as a team, they're, the, the Twins and the Tigers are both hitting 230 as a team. I think the Twins have a 9.4% walk rate, and the Tigers have a 9.3% walk rate. They're, they're almost identical offensively, except. Twins have 30 more home runs than the Tigers. Yes. And picture the way the Tigers have been playing, and then add 30 home runs. And that's the offense you're going to see. And yeah, the pitching is more talented. Like it's At some point, we're trying to stay afloat, I think the Tigers are, until Scoople comes back and maybe Turnbull and Manning, and then they've got maybe a little bit more upside on the mound. But, but it's tough when you you got Matthew Boyd going every fifth day, and, and he pitched 
fairly well today, except for it just seems like he tires around that fifth inning and, and two kind of inexplicable walks and then a hanging curveball and then the game's basically over. So it's tough when you have him going, when you have Wentz not pitching up to his potential and it, it then you got to just hope that the, the rest of the week, Fido is on and Erod and Lorenzen continue to pitch well. So it's just, it's not a great place to be right now for the Tigers. You need a little bit more help, I think, in the, the rotation. I was really surprised Hinge brought Boyd back out for the seventh. You'd gotten a quality start from him, even though it's on the outer qualifier of six innings, three runs. I don't know why. Even if his pitch count is low, I get that. But boy, he's gotten through the order twice. He's starting that third time through. And why do you want to start a rally in the seventh and put that in, in play? So that was very questionable to me today. Yeah, Boyd was acceptable today. He wasn't great, but he got by. The offense just had no no answers for Ivaldi and no power at all. And and we've seen what people have been complaining about lately, right? Is is they had the bases loaded with nobody out and yeah. didn't get a run out of it. And that's just it's endlessly frustrating because we've seen that this offense can grab and claw. They're down by a couple runs, but it's tough when you're blowing golden opportunities like that every game. And I don't know what you do about that. We talked about it before. Like, I feel like that's eventually going to even out if you keep getting guys on base. But it, it's super frustrating right now to see it happen over and over again. I will I will say I like what Aberdeen Blade said. In I did chat, too. Which is, which is, I think the Tigers will and should take a similar approach to the Wings this season. Competitive up to the trade deadline and then sell and preserve your core. And I think that's what's going to happen. Just based off what I've been hearing too as well, the Tigers are not, they're not going to do anything rash. They're going to wait till the last possible minute to make a trade. And that's probably the right, right approach because at that point, you know exactly what you'll have and Cole Keith and other similar prospects too as well. The draft will be, the draft will have, will have taken place. And so we'll have a better idea of what the farm system may look like too. Because if they did something now, I just don't think you can continue to switch to waiver wire, which is what they're doing anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. the Tigers are as active on the waiver wire as a single guy on, on Tinder or whatever. I, I don't know. That was a bad analogy. But my point is, the Tigers they're are swiping, doing... They're swiping a lot. They're swiping left a lot. The, the point I'm trying to make is that, it's simply put, they have to really... I think they have to stay put, really, and just... And, and they will, because they, they're going to continue to see what they have among their team. And so, if, if we see... For example, people are always talking about having Justin Henry Moy up here. He's had a really bad month in May in Toledo. At some point, though... In June, in late June, July, then you'll see another probably a good idea of what they'll they'll bring up at some point. Yeah, and I did see a comment from Sean Michael. He said trade deadline will dictate who wins this division. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that for the Tigers' sake because I just I know we talked about this in the last pod, but I don't really know if there's a, a win now trade that the Tigers could make to really push them to win this division. I think I don't just don't think that player's out there. I think they need multiple players to really push this team to be a true playoff contender. So I, I don't think it would even make sense for the Tigers to really make a win-now trade at the deadline. Now, somebody had mentioned, I think there's a Ken Rosenthal article about the Reds, you know, what now that Ellie De La Cruz is close to the big leagues and they've got Matt McClain up, like, what do, maybe they trade Jonathan India. Somebody mentioned that, and it's okay. That would be intriguing for the Tigers. I'm sure they'd be interested. But what do you have to give up to get Jonathan India? Is it mm. is it Colt Keith? Is it Matt Manning and Colt Keith? Is it Kiel Badu and Matt Manning? What do you what do you have to do? So I don't know if they're in the business of trading for anybody like that, but there may be some bats out there. You never know. 
Also, why would the Reds get rid of him? I, I don't know. They, they just yeah. find a different spot for guys who can actually play. So who knows? Yeah, there doesn't seem like a lot of teams that are really going to be rebuilding or selling at the deadline. But yeah, Tyler Matson had a question I think is interesting. Who would you guys define as the core at the major league level right now? I think that's an interesting kind of thought. I'm going to say, of course, Riley Green, Spencer Turkelson, and probably Akil Badu. I think the Tigers are really thinking highly of him as far as that goes. In terms of a pitching side of things, Derek Scoobal is part of that equation. Whether or not Casey Mize is healthy is another part of that, but you put them in there too as long as with the Matt Manning. But, excuse me, that's who I would consider the quote-unquote core. McKinstry? No McKinstry? I, I, again, it's too early to say, I want to see a full season before I can say he's quote-unquote part of the core. He is a good part of what they're doing right now. But, again, the way that Scott Harris has been done things before, he could flip him. Who knows? Yeah, I'd put McKinstry in the core right now just by the way he's he's been playing and he seems like an ideal leadoff hitter. Just turned 28. I think he's got four or five years of team control left, so there, there I think would be no rush to trade him unless... Yeah, he's playing like this, and you're like, okay, maybe we can get something for him. But I just the, yeah, reason I, why, the reason why I don't put him in the conversation is because I don't have I have no merit of history of what Scott Harris has done with quote unquote cores. You know what I mean, like, there's in San Francisco, there was a somewhat of a core, but it wasn't really even with the Cubs to a certain extent. There was a core of players that were drafted through, but San Francisco in, in the case of San Francisco, same thing. It was just it was a few guys, but I, I don't know, like I. Why don't put them in there? Because I just don't have enough history to say and go, okay, this is what they've done before. Because so it also depends on how, how you define the core. Yeah. I think Tigers mm-hmm. fans want Green and Torkelson to be that center of the team for a decade plus, right? These are the guys that are going to be Tigers. If they play up to their abilities, they're going to get numbers on the wall and statues one day, that kind of core. <laughs> and what, what was interesting about Harris's run with the Giants is that. There was already a core in place. They just had all gotten old, and then suddenly they all got good again. With Crawford and Posey and Longoria, and all those guys were randomly good, Brandon Belt. And then they brought in all these supplementary pieces who really helped. But uh, yeah, there wasn't like a young core that they were building around at that point. I don't know. It, I'd like to think Scooble and, and maybe Mize eventually and those Green and Torkelson, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would also not there are very few players on the, in the organization that I wouldn't consider trading right now. It's basically green, I think. Uh, I think it, it, there's a price for everybody else. I think if you're thinking, if you're thinking in terms of E, what's the, I'm trying to think of the old wrestling WWE, everyone's yeah. got a price. Is it is that was Tempe DiBiase? Yeah, yeah, yeah Tempe DiBiase. Everyone's got a price. Million dollar man, and Virgil. and Sean. Virgil. Look, Sean. Again, you you're, you're trying to point in. Kerry Carpenter. You know why I haven't put Kerry Carpenter on there, Sean? Because I haven't seen a full season of him yet. That's why. He hasn't I mean, looked great. He's he's rehabbing right now, Toledo. So you're not yeah. expecting much. He's getting some advances. He hasn't looked great yet. There's a lot of strikeouts, but exactly. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And he struggles in the outfield too. Yeah, he's getting better, but yeah. it's yeah. You know, that there's how many big league games do we have from Kerry Carpenter? Fifty. Is it that many? I think it's yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, it's just tough to. You know, if he plays up to his potential, then yeah, that could be yeah. a piece, four piece. But then, I don't know. Again, like, wh- wh- how do we define a core? What kind of core do we want? We want, I think, I'm just thinking of guys who, who are going to play up for this team for the next two, three years. 
So I would throw Carpenter in there. I'd throw McKinstry in there. I'd throw Badu in there. But in terms of like foundational players, it's basically green and it may be scuba. Sadly, with the opt-in, Javi Baez is part of the core, whether you like it or not, damn it. <laughs> and that's, yeah. You're right, because if he opts in, he is part of that core. It's just, but to me, Kerry Carpenter, the reason why I don't, Kerry Carpenter, if he's hitting consistently against both righties and lefties, then yes, he's part of that core. But right now, you look at him as a platoon situation right now when he gets back. Simple as that. It's to me, if it's one of those players that, a core player to me is one of those that defines a franchise that's going to be part of something that's going to be sticking around for a while. And Carpenter may be that, but right now I don't potentially see that. He's a good team. He's a good player. I'm not, I'm not saying he's bad, but I just, that's why I think of Riley. The reason why Riley Green is that is because the Tigers put a lot of draft stock in him and he's just also, he's, he's a part, he's the straw that stirs the drink a little bit. And definitely. Yeah, so I love Carpenter has 51 career games. It's a 117 WRC plus in 51 career games. That's pretty good for right. your first 51 career. But he does, he strikes me more as a Matt Joyce type player who could be a very good, strong side of the platoon outfielder for you. Matt Joyce won an all star or made an all star game once because he hit a, threw a lot of power when he was in the game, but they didn't play him much against lefties. And, and I could see Carpenter being that, that really good complimentary piece, but not necessarily, hey, we got to lock this guy down and have to be a part of our core. Uh, but who knows? I, we've, he's been getting underestimated for the last four years or whatever, so I, I don't want to put a cap on him. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see at yeah. the end of the year. And if he, if he proves me wrong, then he proves me wrong. I'm not afraid. Like I said, I've said this once, and I'll say it again. I'm not ashamed. If I get something wrong, I get something wrong. But I just don't. If he gets on his pace for 40 home runs through his first 50 games, it sounds like He has 10 home, 10 home runs in 51 games which would be about 30 home runs over a full season. Very which nice. would be great. Who's the last Tiger who had 30 home runs? It's got to be J.D., right? Maybe Maggie? Upton. Yeah. Upton. Upton. I think it was Upton, maybe. But, uh, Did he top 30? Yeah. I had a... Oh, got you on. Go ahead, you. I just going to say, when they win the World Series in 2026, Riley Green's going to lead that team, okay? I don't know who else from this roster will still be there then. It could be a massive turnover. But I think it's Green and Torkelson. That's really the answer. If you want to put Colt Keith on there and with a big wish sandwich, that would be great. Scooble is a possibility if he comes back. But boy, arm injury. That's Tommy John in the past. How much stock you put in him. So really, it comes down to Green and Torkelson. As we've said all along, that here goes, so goes them. It's the damn chair. I've had this chair for four years and it's time to get it replaced. It's cracking. Yeah, but the only thing I would add to that is, to me, the core is who do you see on this team when they're competing for a World Series? Like, when they're really competing, who can you look at on this roster right now and be like, he could be a piece to that? And I think that's what I would define. So maybe that, maybe that's Mason Engler, if he could be a, a, a long reliever for them, or Langs <laughs> or Foley, if they stay around. Yeah, no, I, I, Lang is, is one of the best relievers in baseball right now. And most of the time, those guys disappear after two, three years. Their arm just flakes away. But sometimes they stick around for a decade. I, Lang strikes me as a guy who doesn't quite throw enough strikes to be one of those guys, but who knows? I, he could be an elite closer for three, four years, and, and things move quickly. They, the Tigers could be a contender in three, four years. So, sure, yeah. throw him in there. And I wouldn't count out Veerling or, or Maytown. More Veerling. I think Veerling could be maybe a fourth outfield type, maybe a, a platoon hitter. But I think May, Tim and Maytown are on the outside looking in, and they're going to have to prove that they can really be a part of this. 
but yeah, that's pretty much all I had on that. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to the, the core talk? If we're talking, if we're going to go in the minor leagues and if we're going to, so, okay. So now you're, you're opening up a Pandora's box here. So if you're talking about, if you're going to go, let's just do it like this. Who do you see on this team in 2026, three years from now? So third base, I would say Cole Keith, shortstop, maybe Christian Santana, but I know he has struggled this year. I has. Just, he'll still be under contract, yeah. Jace Jung at second, Torkelson at first, and then the out, I think the outfield is really, really exciting for the future. You're going to have Green, Badu, Parker Meadows. You're going to have the third overall pick, which is probably going to be an outfielder. You have Roberto Campos. Maybe Kerry Carpenter sticks around. So, I, yeah, I think this, in terms of offensively, I, I, the pitching in the minor leagues is a little questionable. But I think offensively, this team has a pretty bright future with a lot of guys that can maybe be part of the core. I just think if ever if we're just going to be j- just three or four players off the top of my head, Cole Keith, Parker Meadows, Henry Malloy, where are you going to put Henry Malloy? Because you can probably, you may have to put him in the outfield. Whoever they draft at three, which is hopefully still in Cruz. Or, or Langford, either or, to me, would be fine. That's just me. Green is a part of that, too. And, and yeah, they do have some places and p- parts in place. And so it really depends also for guys like Warmer Flores and Ty Madden. I think it's going to, the second half of the year is going to be a tall tale sign of where they're going to be in the future because the Tigers do have a, a pitching coach down in Lakeland who's just only, his only experience has been through low A or single A with Lakeland. And so he's still adjusting, still learning, and yeah, the pitching coach in in, in Erie, yeah, yeah. And oh, well, I, I did say Erie, didn't I? Yeah, I did say Erie. I thought you said Lakeland. Sorry. Oh no, no, I say he was at Lakeland, and he went. To, he got promoted to Erie this year, and so he's still avoiding that stuff. But he's still getting up there. But uh, Sean throwing all these names out there. I'll be honest. Like, there's a, just listen. a few names. Wait, listen. There's a few names that will make a lot of sense. I don't know if Reese Olson's one of them. Who knows? But. Again, you just have to look at the track record of when pitchers not staying healthy. Reese Olsen, is there a been in, in- This is something that Baseball America does every year where they put the top prospect in the system at every position and project them into the future lineup. And like we've seen, Torkelson and Green were top 10 prospects, five prospects in baseball. And they're just kind of, Green seems to be taking that step and Torkelson's figuring some things out. But it's not like these aren't superstar like guys just yet. I, I would I would not count on Jace Young to be the same pick in the future. I wouldn't count on Christian Santana to be anything in the future. They may be, but it's so hard right now. They're so far away. They're both in, in A ball and not particularly tearing it up. I think Christian Santana is still hitting under 100. <laughs> and, and Young will have these flashes. We saw him hit a home run last Friday night. And it was like, hey, that's nice. But he also went two for 17 this week. And so it's, it's just these guys take time. Maybe they can figure something out and, and move up. Even Colt Keith, as much as we like Colt Keith, Colt Keith's going to get no matter what. I think I made the cap last night. He could be like a Nick Castellanos type hitter, which is there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But Castellanos has always been a little bit volatile because he swings a lot, and there are times when the ball is just not falling. And Colt Keith is a very aggressive guy. He's not going to expand a ton, but if you, you can pitch to him in the zone and, and get him out, and that's just something that's going to happen. But it, it's, I'm happy to plug him in as the third baseman of the future right now, but I'm not saying that that he's going to be future all-star or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Again, it's just, I just think it's too early to have that kind of conversation about a pitcher like, or even, excuse me, yeah, Reese Olsen. Again, the rest of the list I have no problem with, but 
I don't know. Just it, Reese Olsen carries too much of a reliever list, reliever risk too as well. I think the whole thing when it comes down to projecting a, a core, if, if that's what you want to do, when you have a good ball club and you're, you're going deep in the playoffs, you have a differentiation. You have your top tier of four or five who guys who are your core, who are expected to carry things. And then you're going to have a bunch of guys who are along for the ride, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot of these guys we just mentioned might be on the next playoff team, the next contender, but they're probably along for the ride more than they're part of the core. Yeah, and another thing, too, the reason why I kind of use, in terms of my history with that term, is that I look at when the Tigers were trying to be, when they were trying to develop their core in the lead, when Randy Smith tried every single combination of players make this core. And it was never, every year you saw this on the Detroit News, that it was never, it was, you know, at one point it was Robert Fick, Frank Canaliano, Canaliano, Justin Thompson was a part of that. It never pans out. And so I just, I always think of that. I've, I've never really been comfortable talking about core players because the economy changes, the game, not necessarily the game, not necessarily the game, because the game rules are constantly changing, but situations change. And for example, this, when you even think about the Mets, like when the Mets were into the World Series, that young core pitchers, everybody thought about this is the core and this is going to be the, they're going to win World Series to late till the next decade. It didn't, it didn't happen. For me, I just live in a, just, I sound like a cynical jerk, but I, I, when that's why it comes to prospects, I'm always kind of just, things could change. And we don't know what this, this regime is going to bring in. And as much as we can get excited about a lot of guys, we can, like Cole Kiefer comes to mind, for example, I just try to stay in the realm of reality. And that makes, if that makes me a boring simpleton, then so be it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah it, and it's, it, there's so many things we don't know coming up too. As you, as you mentioned, times change. We don't know what Scott Harris is going to do. And it was very interesting to listen to White Sox baseball TV this past weekend and listening to Steve Stone and Bonetti, who I enjoy very much. You know the best. Yes. They're convinced that Detroit is going to spend money this winter. That's their, what they hear. That's their thought. And they make a good case. If Erod opts out, Miggy goes into retirement and Scope goes away, they have $50 million right there, boom, that they spent this year that's un, not ticketed next year, really. So you could do some damage with that if, Chris Illich wants to spend it, which we don't know. And we don't know how Scott Harris will, will spend it. But yeah, that, so the next year could be a very volatile year where a lot of things happen. There's no question about it. Yeah. I wouldn't bet on Hobby opting out, but who knows? We'll see. But we did have a couple of questions about Michael Lorenzen and what he could bring back in a potential trade. What are you guys thinking? And what have you seen from Lorenzen? You guys think he's been a solid pickup? Do you think he can continue this? And he's likely to be traded, I'd say, at the deadline. And what do you think the Tigers could get in return for him? I, you, I, for as well as he's pitched, the, the peripheral rules aren't terrific. He's not striking out a ton of guys. He's kind of a, a more of a pitch-to-contact profile. He might be intriguing to a team as, as a potential starter who they could then throw in the bullpen in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. which would maybe give him a little added value. But I think it always depends on, on who's buying. But he strikes me as a team that just needs an arm down the stretch that yes. they were like, okay, we, we need some, some extra innings. We'll get him. And I wouldn't expect 
it's cheap, but it's a one-year deal. I wouldn't expect anything more than like a B minus C plus prospect, like a somebody who's 20th in a system, something like that. Yeah, I, I would agree. Because again, Chris started to touch on where I was going to go. He would be a team that needs depth to get through September. I don't think any contender is going to target him as a guy we're going to give the ball to in game two of a playoff series. I don't think there's any chance. Very unlikely. So who's going to pay up for that? But yeah, he could be a bullpen arm for somebody and then do some damage for like a two-inning stint in a playoff game. I could see that. Yeah. yeah he's, one, he's one of those guys, too. I think that if the Tigers decided to make a, a move on, they would probably get somebody that, I guarantee you, it, it would be probably a, a, a mid, maybe a low-level prospect that that they could see a lot of potential on where they see the numbers and go, oh, some people we may look at and go, oh, those numbers don't look good. well, but the Tigers might see something. So, yeah, they're well, not getting, you're not getting really a lot. If they do, it's it's a lottery ticket, essentially. You can flip that on, on their head. Okay, so, so Lawrence is 31. He's looked pretty good this year. Would you want the Tigers to sign him to an extension, like a two-year deal or a three-year deal, and how much? And, and if you could answer that truthfully, then you can figure out how much he might be worth to another team. Yeah. The only thing I would add is I, I'm not a GM obviously, but I would hope that maybe they could package Lorenzen with another one of the trade ships they have, maybe a Lange or a Foley or even a Rodriguez and maybe with somebody get better prospect. I'll look, I'm gonna be a minority here and say do not trade you have no reason to trade Alice Lang and, and Jason Foley for how much years they have control left. To me, this makes no sense. If if you're gonna Stay, comp- stay competitive. You, you want to keep those guys as long as humanly possible. Unless you get a trade, well, trade that kind of knock you off your feet. But I honestly, those, gu- those guys don't grow on trees. And I don't see what the p- purpose would be unless they're going to like their final year of a contract. And then maybe that. But those two are, have been the reason why the Tigers are staying in the game. So yeah, there's... I think if you're going to trade Erod, that's one thing because he can opt out. That's one thing. But those two, Lang and Bully, I don't see no purpose in trading them at all. I understand that, but right. I also understand that they once upon a time had Michael Fulmer and they never traded him. They had Matt Boyd and never traded him. When these guys' values is as high as it is right now, you want to capitalize on them. Granted, but that was under Alavila. And that's a different type of Alavila when it came to that, admittedly waited too long. I think if they, if Scott Harrison, I'm, I don't, again, they're not going to pull an Alavila. I think Scott Harris is a little bit smarter than that. I think, like I said, I don't see them trading those two at all this year for any reason other than if they get some sort of extraordinary value for them. I just don't, it's, it would be, you would piss off the fan base and you really would tell the fan base, hey, we don't really believe in what we're doing right now as part of the, uh, part of, part of the long-term process. I think they're in an ideal situation with those two, though. They don't have to trade them. Right? They don't have to. They have a lot of team control. They can trade them three years from now. But I would definitely have a price. No question. If, if, if someone meets my price, yeah, you can have Jason Foley. What do I care? He's a setup man. I'll build a new one. If, if they give me a guy who I'm 50% sure will be in my major league lineup in the next year or two years or whatever, I probably roll the dice on that because he's a setup man. Lang, closer, ninth inning guy, and that still has some cachet in some parts. My price is probably a little higher, but still have one. Yeah. If you don't believe the Tigers are winning or competing for a World Series in the next 
two or three years. I don't see a point of keeping them on this roster. And if you can get a, a prospect or two that you think can be an everyday regular or maybe a starter in your rotation, I, I don't see the point in keeping these elite relievers around on a, a 71 ball club. But like I said, unless they get something that has to not go off their feet, I just don't mm-hmm. see that happening. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And also, you might say they may grow on trees, but I look at the Tigers' farm system right now, and outside of maybe Olsen, and you don't know what you have with Brisky. You don't know the rest of it right now. El Salorado has been out pretty much the entire season. He hasn't, we haven't seen him that. Some of the bullpen arms in Erie and Toledo do not. Toledo right now has been a, a walking injury list of players that have been on the IL on and off. Erie, same thing. They just haven't had a consistency out of their bullpen at all. West Michigan, you can look at West Michigan, but there's no guarantees that those arms will be major league arms either. And maybe there's one or two tops on that roster. Forget about Lakeland. I don't even want to talk about Lakeland. Lakeland's it's in, it's in rough sled right now, but wasteland. It's a wasteland right now. But look, <laughs> bottom line is this, and and somebody said this here. If you're only gonna, and Michael said it best, unless you get a top 100 prospects at double A or higher that are gonna be ready to go to play it and be impactful on your team, there's just no reason for me to keep them. It is just to me, it's just and and, right. Jeff, and Jordan makes jump shot. Jordan too also makes the other point. Ren White's been kind of getting beat up. There's it's just it's yeah. I I, I I'm sorry. I, I just, the Tigers trade to those guys right now for lottery picks. I said for lottery picks, but lottery cards, then it was just. You're, they're in a powerful position right now because they have, again, they don't have to trade them. Right. They're, they're, there's no urgency. But that's a good thing. You can turn that on teams and say, hey, you want this guy? You got to pay for it. And yeah, the price should be pretty substantial. I'm not saying to dump them, but again, I just don't think a GM who really believes in his team building acumen is afraid of dealing off relievers and trying to build a bullpen next year out of spare parts. I, I just think you can do it. Teams have proven it. But again, proof of being to play in the summer. We'll see what they do. Yeah. And that's what I heard all this offseason was too, is like the bullpen is going to be in shambles. They got rid of their four best relievers and Scott Harris was able to build a bullpen. So if you, if you trust in him and you trust in this development of pitching, I'm all for trading. I think it's the right move. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it it always comes down to I'd listen. I maybe I wouldn't shop aggressively, but I'd listen aggressively if that makes any sense. Yeah, go ahead, give us an offer, and and if it's something that they feel like they can't refuse, then take it. But I just I don't think anybody's necessarily going to come knocking down their door with the with the offer that they really can't refuse. We'll see. It'd be pretty awesome if they did, because they'd be like, hey, that's kind of fun. They they got something great for these guys. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I I was looking back through last year's trades to see if I could find something equivalent to uh, Lorenzen. And the closest I got was Jose Quintana going from the Pirates to Cardinals. He was an expiring deal, but he went with Chris Stratton too, I think. So they got two pitchers, and in return, the Pirates got uh, Oviedo. A younger pitcher and Malcolm Nunez, I think. Yeah. Slugging corner infielder. They basically traded, they got triple A level talent, not top 100 guys, basically guys like change of scenery players. So that's probably what you get for Lorenzo this year, something along those lines. But uh, yeah, I, one of the problems with the Lang and Foley deal is, is there just haven't been many deals where guys with that much team control and that much that's the major league level have been traded for right. prospects. The one we and, talk about is Scott Efron's for Hayden Wisniewski, but that's the, the only one I can think of. 
look, with the Pirates, they turn around and with Abelio, he's the second guy in the rotation. He's pitched not too badly this year either. And that was that was an example of the Pirates going over the Cardinal system, going, okay, this guy with the change of scenery would probably help him out. And they'd be able to, to hone in on what he does best too and, and changing his pitch mix. I don't think it's – you can't give all the credit to Scott Harris rebuilding his bullpen. You have to give credit to Chris Fetter and the organization for taking those two. Foley was already getting better last year, and same thing with Lang. Lang just walked too many people. Now he's cut back the walks. I just think you can bring in the case of Chase Reeve. Mason Eglert was a really good, talented signing – or excuse me, draft pick because they, they saw something down in A Southern, and they were able to do something with it. But I – I feel more or less it's Federer and company versus Scott Harris at this point. Yeah. yeah. They've added some, Tyler Holton has been yeah. pretty solid. Harris has done some decent work in the bullpen. Yeah. But two big guns were guys who are, have been here. Yeah. But I don't know. We've talked about it before. Like we think, I think Reese Olsen could be a pretty darn good reliever down the road. Given the quality of his stuff, it just needs to not throw us right down the middle. But that takes time. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. I, I'm enjoying the Tigers being competitive right now. Yeah. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's what I'll say. I, I did, I, I really did like that comparison to the Red Wings. I don't pay a ton of attention to the Red Wings. I did more during the season because I was doing the Woodward sports stuff. Listen to those guys occasionally talk about it between my crafts. And they, they would, uh, yeah, it was fun. And, and then just like they had, you know, I could see it happening where they go and play the Twins or whatever and they have a rough series against the Twins. You go, all right, that was fun while it lasted. <laughs> now let's, let's get some, pieces for next year and, and keep improving these young guys. But you, what you don't really want to do, I don't think, is then tank your season because that's just a bummer. And that's what happened in what you were saying, what, 2017? 18. 2018. Yeah. It, it, I guess you could do it for draft capital, if you will. You get a better chance at, at getting a high draft pick. But I have, we haven't really even dug into all the intricacies of baseball's draft lottery. Certain yeah. teams can't can't pick in the top five two years in a row. I think certain teams can't pick in the top ten three years in a row. So it might not even do any good to, to sell off your pieces and bank. So I'm just holding on hope that you get Carpenter back, maybe Meadows comes back, Scoville comes back, Manning and Turbo, and then they can just keep competing deep into the season. I just want competitive baseball. And if they get close to the postseason, great. If they don't, it wasn't anything I expected, to be honest. We saw the, the, the crowd, the Panther are... Hungry for it, I think. The crowds were pretty darn good this weekend. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add on to? The only we- thing I wanted to add on, really, before we get out of here, is the, in terms of this weekend, this week with the Rangers, tomorrow and Wednesday before they go off, they go back to, they have Thursday off before they go take out Chicago. So if they can win at least one of these games against the Rangers, against the team that's, Again, the one of the best teams in baseball, if not in the American League right now. The the Tigers are looking at a, a situation where they would finish. See here, I have this pulled up real quick. In terms of schedule wise, they would have a month. They're they're going to finish with a winning month, even if they lose these next couple games. So that's positive. The run scoring, like I said, you want to see that it, it's right now it's one one hundred seven to one thirteen in terms of how many runs are given up. So if they can, yeah, even if they, if they won this series, that'd be fantastic. But, and some, so Detroit degenerate in the chat said, I saw an article with on Wilson materials for Erod. The other circumstances around the pitching and catching in St. Louis is possible. I think 
you're gonna get there's gotta be a lot more to that for that that to me wilson Contreras straight up for you rod no you just got tigers should ask for hell of a lot more than that they just signed to dress to a long deal didn't they yeah four or five years they have them so that'd be a, an interesting one to say the least yeah i think the yeah i think if anything if they would probably go for after an outfielder or something like that like juan yepes or or Tyler O'Neill, something like that. But no, other than that, yeah, the Tigers are sitting, they're going to be over 500 for the month of May, and that's one step in the right direction. Keep doing that every month, and maybe you got a stew going. Yeah, I guess. So it's Fido versus uh, Martin Perez tomorrow. And then the next game, it's to be determined because they've talked about maybe using an opener ahead of Went to, to get him out of his head or help with some issues there. So I'm curious if they do that, who they would even use as the opener. How is it? Angler? I thought maybe he, Angler. He pitched today, uh, didn't he? Did he pitch long? I can't remember. I don't think, what was it? I mean, you'd, you'd just be using the guy for one inning or two inning stops, I would think. So, yeah, maybe you get two innings out of an opener and then you start Wentz in the bottom third of the order or something like that. But I don't know. I don't know if it would be Will Best. Would it be? I don't think they'd use Foley that early, but it'll be interesting to see what they what they do. Because they, they really do need to get Wentz going or find an alternative. And really rough last, uh, I don't know, month. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, Wentz has got to sit figure that out. Again, if you want to check out his release points, some of the data that involved in all that, go to TigersMLReport.com. Jerry did a really good, Jerry did a really good write-up on Wentz and his cutter reduction, too. He's not using the cutter as much. Or as, it's been it's still an effective pitch, but he hasn't used it as much. So it's interesting to see. And on that note, are we okay. So we'll be wrapping up this evening. Thank you so much for watching. We watching or listening. Of course, if you're listening to us, thank you. Subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back on Thursday with the off day, maybe with a guest. Maybe I think we might have Crystal or Janice on from the White Sox side of things. Talk some White Sox and Tigers as they head down the guaranteed rate field for the first time starting on Friday. And yeah, there'll also be a Tiger Monthly Report recap written article tomorrow coming out in the morning along with the podcast. So thank you again. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it. And oh, one last thing for people. I There will be a podcast dropping with this Roger Yoder book that we got here. So it's the ultimate major league series. John and I got the chance to talk to another fellow Roger about this. And so there'll be a link to purchase this book if you want to buy it. It's got every single tiger stat you can think of. It's this is a big book. Well, it's, like, yeah. it's from Cobb to Cabrera, right? Yeah, from Cobb to Cabrera. This is awesome. All right, so Tyler, yeah, Tyler got in the program, so you got this. And so this is, yeah, thanks for anybody who put out the podcast for this tomorrow and the whole conversation with Roger Yoder and how it came together. So we'll talk to you Thursday. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks again to Bloodright and Josh. For doing yeah, this. thank you. Thanks for